The weather outside is frightful. <laughs> but our worship is so delightful. Do you know the rest of this? Since there's no place to go, let's worship <laughs> fully. Amen? Um, hey, this is, uh, let's see. I want to do some rearranging a little bit if we can, because uh, the, the first couple, whenever the first couple rows are, are empty, I feel like I need to, I, I feel like uh, I'm really far away. So can we have some, maybe some folks in the back, couple rows, come and fill in these gaps here? Can we do that? Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. A lot of, while we do that, can you just say to God, God, I'm ready to listen. Okay, and then can you say to the person next to you, I'm ready to listen. Okay. I, let's try it again. Can you look to someone next to you and say, I'm ready to listen. Okay. Say to someone across on another section, I'm ready to listen. All right. All right. Um, well, it is good to be here. Thank you for braving the rain. Anyone get wet on the way in? Okay. A few of us? Okay. <laughs> awesome. And I don't know if you guys have been, anyone start Christmas shopping yet? Anyone? I've started Christmas shopping. Okay, a couple of us. Anyone finish? Like, I'm done Christmas shopping already. I'm done. Right? That's great. Good, 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 good. Um, I don't know if you know this. I'm not trying to make you feel bad or anything or feel good, but do you know what the average American in 2017 spent on Christmas Shopping last year, the average American, how much money they spent Christmas shopping. Anyone have any idea? Huh? $26. The average American, so we're ta- I'm going to make an assumption that someone like Bill Gates is part of the average and then somebody like our children are part of the average. But the average American spent $930 shopping for Christmas gifts last year. Okay? I don't want you to... I don't want you to be like, ah, you know, I only spent $900. I'm doing pretty good this year. That's not, the, that's not the intent. The aim is to get us to think about how we're spending our Christmas, right? And how we're, because it's interesting. The first Christmas, okay, the first Christmas, it was Jesus' birth that people came to celebrate. There was no Long lines at Toys R Us or Target or at Millennia or at the outlets or, you know, Magi didn't go on Amazon.com trying to stress over what to get. They knew exactly what to get. They brought it to Jesus because it was his birthday. But how did we get from that to America where $600 billion a year are being spent celebrating the birth and the worship of Jesus? How do we get from there to there. How do we get to where we are right now? Because Christmas wasn't always about spending a whole bunch of money. Remember the first one, they brought gifts to Jesus, but that could only happen. Jesus' birthday only happens once a year for 33 years until he, pa- until he died and went to heaven. So after that, where did this idea of getting gifts, giving gifts come from? About 325 years after Jesus, after his time, there's an emperor called Constantine. The next emperor after him was a man named Julius, and they instituted, not only uh, made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire, but they said, hey, let's make December 25th the day we celebrate as Jesus' birthday. And so they did. And so December 25th became known as Christ Mass, the worship of the Christ. 
And so for many, many years, that's what people did, right? They just, okay, it's, it's Christmas. We remember that. We celebrate that. Sometime after Constantine and, and those folks, there was a jolly old saint named Nicholas who out of his desire to love Jesus, whom he could not see, decided to give gifts to children whom he could see out of his love for Jesus. And which children did he choose? He chose children who didn't have much in the eyes of the world. And so he would sneak around, he would buy them gifts, and in the name of Jesus, he would give them a gift because he reckoned that to do for the least of these is to do it unto Jesus. So you see... St. Nick started giving birthday presents to Jesus by giving them to people that the world considered to be the least. And that's how it would go for many, many years. People would take gifts, usually people who had a lot, and would find people that didn't have a lot. And they would give them gifts of like simple gifts, like food or clothing or little toys for kids. That's the way Christmas was being celebrated up until about 16, 17, 1800, it kind of blew out of proportion in about the 1800s when Christmas cards started being distributed to people. And then in the 1820s in Europe and then in parts of America, these stores decided that, hey, we could make a lot of money by pushing this Christmas thing and saying, if you really loved each other, you would buy them gifts, and you would buy them gifts from our store. So here are some ideas of gifts you can buy. They would send out catalogs, Montgomery Ward, Sears, all of these department stores would send out catalogs, and people would get them and say, oh, you know what, this would be a great thing to do on Christmas to give gifts to my loved ones. In 1840, these stores started dressing up larger, overweight people putting a hat on them, calling him Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, and he would then go around telling people, come to our store and buy stuff for the people that you love because this is what we do on Christmas. So much so that by 1850, Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote this book where people are already complaining about the commercialization of Christmas by 1850. Fast forward 100 years later, And then you've got a miracle on 34th Street, Kris Kringle. A few years later, you've got Charlie Brown asking, can somebody tell me what Christmas is all about? And then the next year, Dr. Seuss introduces this character called the Grinch who tries to steal Christmas. Fast forward 60 years from there, and you've got Americans spending $600 billion, a lot of which we don't actually have in order to worship King Jesus. The question is, how do you want to spend your Christmas this year? A better question might be, how would Jesus want you to honor him this Christmas? This week we had a birthday in our house church. One of our house church shepherds had a birthday and at our house church meeting we had a couple cakes for Uncle James. And so I'm trying to teach our kids about this Advent conspiracy that we're on and how weird it is the way we honor Christ during Christmas. And so I said, hey, Elijah, whose birthday was it? He said, Uncle James's birthday. I said, Elijah, hey, what would it be like if for Uncle James's birthday, You decided to get gifts for everyone else at our house church meeting except for Uncle James. How do you think he would feel? 
Elijah said, that would be mean. That would not make sense. And he would not understand that. So I said, Elijah, come here. That's what we do at Christmas a lot of times. Whose birthday is it at Christmas? It's Jesus. Who do we give gifts to? To our friends and our family. Do you think that's weird that during Jesus' birthday, we spend all of this time and money and energy and stress in order to get everyone else a present while we forget whose birthday it really is? Do you think that's odd, the way that we celebrate Christmas here in America? Do you think that's odd? Not not America, but do you think that's odd how we as Christians celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus? I think it's odd. I don't just think it's odd. I think the way I celebrate Christmas is downright wrong in a lot of ways. And so what I want to do over the next few weeks, starting last week, is just to get us to think and to ask questions that we don't typically ask of Christmas. How do you want to celebrate Christmas this year? How do you want to worship Jesus this Christmas? We are trying to break it up by seeing four things, and the end result of what I want us to to, to get at this Christmas is that we would worship fully. A lot of times, amidst of all of the distractions, you might think that with all this rain, it's hard for me to pay attention to what DL is talking about right now. With all of the noise of Christmas, it's oftentimes hard to focus on the one whom we have come to worship. And so the first aim of this Advent conspiracy is that we would worship fully. The second thing is that we would spend less. That's what we're talking about today. The third is that we would give more. And the fourth is that we would love all, love everyone. So today I want to talk about what it means to spend less. And before you tune out, I'm not saying, hey, don't buy gifts for each other. Don't spend any money. That's not what I'm saying. I'm asking you to think about things that you don't typically ask yourself and to think about things that you don't typically think about when it comes to Christmas so that we can worship fully the one who has come to us on Christmas Day. That's my aim. That's my intent. We're going to read from Isaiah 55. I'm going to read Isaiah 55 verses 1 through 2 and see this ancient invitation from God to the people of God from 2,700 years ago, but I want to see that his timeless truths speak powerfully and consistently and practically to us this Christmas season. So I'm going to read from Isaiah 55, uh, verses 1 and 2. This is God's word. God's word for God's people. He says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. This is God's word. What is this almost 3,000 year invitation to God's people back then have to say about our Christmas and the way we do life here 2,700 years after this was written, after this was spoken. I think it has everything to do, everything to do with the way that we celebrate Christmas. Three thoughts here. The first thing is we are constantly, constantly hearing lies that we can buy our satisfaction. We're constantly hearing lies 
that we can buy our satisfaction. I got an email this week from Target. It said, yes, with four S's and an exclamation. You probably got it too if you're on their mailing list. It says, 20% off Legos and must have toys in all capital letters. So I thought to myself, what is a must-have toy? Well, apparently, according to Target, it's a toy that our child must have or else they're going to die. They are not going to be able to make it through the Christmas season if they do not have this toy. What is that said toy? I don't know what it is, but you need to have it. They need to have it. Subtext, Daddy, if you want your child to live and make it through Christmas, if you want to be a good dad, you don't want to be a deadbeat dad, you must buy this must-have toy for your child. Because that's what the world is telling us. I could go through countless other emails, and you could also define things that advertise this sense in which, hey, if you buy the right thing, you can be satisfied. Because a toy, according to Target and according to commercialization and consumerism, a toy is no longer just a toy. It's a way to find life. It's a way to find meaning. It's a way to find satisfaction, a way to find significance and value. A car is no longer just a car. It's no longer just a means to get you from one place to another. It's a symbol of status, of wealth, of power, of significance, of pleasure, of the fact that you've made it. That's why, hey, make it a, a December to remember and go buy a Lexus for your loved one. That's crazy. But that's what they're saying. You must have these things in order for your heart to be satisfied. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that's what they're telling us. Hey, you know what? Hey, you gotta buy this thing. You gotta have this thing so that you can be, because a product, according to consumerism, is no longer simply a product. Oh my gosh, look at you. Are you still putting menus and recipes of food that you cooked in your instant pot? That's so last year. Everyone's gonna laugh at you. You can't. Get yourself an air fryer and then put those up on Instagram. Then people are going to think that you've made it. You're with the times. Don't live in 2017. Oh, my gosh. Are you still playing Fortnite like everyone else from November? Don't you know? Super Smash Brothers, this is the way to go now. you got to get with the times. Oh, my gosh. You're still using an iPhone to take pictures. Don't you know? It's the Fujifilm Instax camera. You have this and everyone will want to be in your pictures. That's what they tell us. It's no longer just a product. You have this. You will have significance and power and position. If you have this kind of camera and you say, guys, guys, we need to take a picture, everyone will want to be in that selfie. But you just hold up your dinky iPhone 6 like I've got. Nobody's, nobody, who are you taking a picture of? Come on, come, come. No one wants to be in that picture. That's what they're telling you. They're selling you significance. You must have these things. Here's what the prophet Isaiah says. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? This is the lie that we constantly buy into, my friends, that if you've got the right things, then you're going to be the right person. And it's constantly telling us this lie, and we've bought into it hook, line, and sinker to the tune of $600 billion and constant credit card debt. And it's crippling Oh, it's good for the economy, but it's crippling your soul. Be able to worship fully with that kind of an investment into things that will never return. Why are you spending all of this on things that don't... Again, I'm not, 
I'm not saying don't spend money, okay, because there's things that you do that you, you probably do need an air fryer. It's healthier for you. Go get your air fryer. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, listen, don't think that that's going to satisfy you if I have the right things, if I have the right logo on my shirt, then I'm going to be somebody. The reason why we fall for this lie all the time is because there is a modicum of truth in it. Haven't you experienced for a moment a taste of significance when you had the right thing? People said, oh my, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, wherever did you get those shoes? Those are amazing. Holy cow. Or, oh my goodness, you got, uh, I don't know, that, that, oh, that, that bag. Where'd you get? You got, and that was sold out everywhere I looked. How in the world did you get it? And everyone's like, oh, did you hear about Brian? Brian got these things. Everyone's like, oh, Brian is awesome. We worship at the altar of Brian because we found significance, at least for a moment, at least for a moment. When I was a kid, I used to, I used to just wear shoes because shoes are what kids wear in order to cover their socks. So I always wore shoes, and my mom would go to Kmart, and, and I thought Kmart was awesome. She told me Kmart is where all the Korean shop. K stands for Korean. So we'd go to Kmart, we buy shoes. By tracks, they're, they're called tracks, T-R-A-X-X-X-X-X, tracks. Those were the shoes that I wore. And sometime when I was in elementary school, you guys remember tracks? Anyone wear them? Any, like, nerds like me? Okay. Yeah, so I wore track shoes, and then uh, somewhere in elementary school, this shoe called Reebok came out. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, everyone has these Reeboks, and once you have these Reeboks, people are, like, giving you all these mad props. So I said, oh, okay, there's these new kind of shoes. I told my mom, I need new shoes. But mom was frugal, right? She was very uh, smart with her money, and, and she only bought it when I needed it. So I would, like, walk, and I would drag the front of my, like, the toes of my shoes like this in order to wear my shoes down. And so we went to Kmart to buy new shoes, and what I thought was Reeboks was actually a new brand of tracks, like a sub-brand of tracks called Athletics with four X's at the end. I was like, this is, this is the one that Chris Ochaki and Josh Shimp had. This is the one that they had. So I got it, and I went to school, and everyone was like, oh, you got new shoes. And I was like, man, I was like so excited. And they're like, what are they? Did you get those at Kmart or something? And they started laughing. And I was like... Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't that funny after a while. And so I started going through life thinking, maybe it's not just about having footwear. Maybe it's a fashion statement. I got I to gotta elevate my game. And so somewhere later, this new brand of shoes came out, this urban streetwear that was like uber cool. It was called British Knights, right? British Knights. And it was like I, Wikipedia, I looked at it the other day, it said it was the first brand of shoe that became more than footwear, it became like a, a statement brand. And so, uh, I forgot which rapper it was, you remember the, which rapper it was, some, some like rapper, and he would come on and say, blah, 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 British Knights, how you like me now? So I was like, dude, I want to get those shoes. So I bought these British, no, my parents bought me these British Knights from Foot Locker, and I wore them to school, and I went into school, and people were like, oh, David, you have British Knights. I was like, that's right. I was like, sporting my shoes, British Knights. They used to say, it ain't nothing without the BK button. So I was wearing these shoes. I was like, man, I'm so awesome. And for about three days, I was mad cool until somebody else got British Knights, and then all the attention went to the new kid. I was like, man, that stinks. But it got me thinking, maybe I can, through products, find satisfaction. And that's what a lot of us are believing too. That's why we spend a lot of money that we don't have trying to impress people that we don't care about. 
because we think if I have the right things, then I'm going to be somebody. People are going to talk about me. Because if I have the right things, that even though everything is going crummy in my life and life is falling apart, I will rise above circumstances by having the right clothing or by having the right handbag or having the right backpack or having the right jeans or whatever it is that we have. Because we buy into this lie that I can buy my satisfaction. He says, why spend money? Why spend your labors? You work and you get money and you're spending all of that on things that you know will not satisfy. Jesus says in Luke 12, 15, do you not know that significance and value and worth is not found in the abundance of possessions? Jesus says, listen, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You know that if you've got all of these things, you spend all of your money trying to get all of these things, then your heart is going to follow those things. And you wonder why it's so hard for me to worship Jesus fully this Christmas. Because your heart has been fixated upon the things that you've given your money to. I'm buying all these properties. I'm buying all these homes. I've got to buy all this insurance. And all these things are falling apart. And you're constantly stressed out because your, your heart is following your treasure. Jesus is saying, there's got to be a better way, guys. There's got to be a better way. The problem isn't that we want more stuff. The problem is we want more stuff to satisfy a void that that stuff cannot satisfy. We're looking for Jesus, but we're looking at Best Buy instead of in Bethlehem. That's our issue, and that's our problem, and that's why we're so unsatisfied. So we get to December 26 saying, hey, you know what? I graduated from thinking I need all this stuff. I'm giving because it's better to give than to receive. And then we roll up on Christmas morning and the day after, and we realize, why do I feel so empty, though? Why do I feel so empty? The first thing that we see is that we're constantly being bombarded with these lies that tell us that you can buy your sense of satisfaction in this life, and you can't. You can't. Maybe for a minute, maybe for a day, maybe for a few months, maybe for a few years you can, but it's ultimately, it's going to leave a hole in your soul. If spending less meant worshiping fully, would you do it? And if you worship fully, could that lead us to spending less in order that we might actually worship fully? The second thing that we see here is that spending less is the result of asking why you spend your money. Why am I doing this? That's the question he asks in verse 2. It says, why spend money on what's not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? The the glaring question of verse 2 is why? The question of Christmas is why? Why are you spending all this money? Well, you know what? I'm not spending it on myself, like you just said. I'm spending it on other people, so it sh- that should be okay, right? Maybe $10 on myself to buy that Christmas candy cane, but $910 on other people. That's what I'm doing. The question is, why are you spending all that money on other people too? Again, I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm saying think about this question. If it's not leading you to worship Jesus, if it's not leading you to satisfaction and fulfillment, if you cannot buy your own satisfaction, then why do we think we can buy other people's? Why? I, I just want you to ask that question why. If you, go, if you ask that question why and you end up spending 920 bucks, that's fine. You can worship God and spend that much money. That's cool if you can do that. But I'm asking you to think because I think a lot of times we do this without thinking. 
We got a, I, I got an email from uh, the room parent of, of one of our kids, and they said, uh, thank you for you know, asking about what gifts your, your, your kid's teacher wants. Please, one thing that the teacher does not want is a, she does not want coffee mugs because she has hundreds of them. I thought to myself, you know what? I'm so glad that that email came because I just got her another coffee mug. Why do I get her a coffee mug? Why would I get her a coffee mug? I'm sitting at Starbucks waiting for my drink. Oh, snap, i got to buy that teacher a present. Here's a coffee mug from Starbucks that's like $8 on sale, last year's model, perfect. Buy her a coffee mug. Why do we do that? Because I feel obligated to do that. I feel obligated to get something. Maybe some of you feel obligated to buy gifts for people. What if you didn't feel ob- What if you didn't have to get it for somebody? Oh, I have to do it because he's my husband and, and he's, he's, he's going to get grumpy and blah, 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 blah. After all, I bought all these things for myself and I don't buy it for him, he's going to get mad. Or, oh, you know what, last year they got me a gift and I totally forgot and I just gave them a card later and, and I feel kind of cheap about that. I got to get them something this year. Oh, I got to get them something that's like $50 because last year they got us a $50 gift and I don't want to be cheap. Thinking, what if their $50 is, is a drop in the bucket for them and, and, and they make a million dollars more than we do? Does it make sense for you to try and feel obligated to buy the same thing just because and stressing out and giving all of your hard-earned money to, quite frankly, people who won't appreciate what you give? I don't know. I don't know. I, it, they probably will, but let me ask you, let me ask you another question, okay? When you think about your Christmas gifts that you got last year, okay, maybe you got three, four, five, uh, you may know, you may know your favorite gift that you got last year, but can I ask you, what was your third favorite gift that you got last year? We probably don't know. And, and, and I don't know, maybe the person who gave you that gift said, you know what, if I can just make it to be the third favorite gift for them, that would be cool. Or maybe they thought this is going to be their best gift. But at the end of the day, does it change our Christmas at all that we got that trinket that no one cares about that's like broken in the back of our closet? I'm just asking us to think about why we do the things that we do when it comes to Christmas. And I think a lot of it is because somebody told us that if you really love them, then you would spend money on them. Who told us that? I'll tell you who told us that. The people who made for 19 years a Lexus December to Remember ads. Hey, if you, re- oh, Christmas is so crazy. We're not going to remember anything about it, but do you really want to remember? Get them a Lexus. The same people who did that were the same people that said, you know what, if you really love a woman and you want to marry her, you need to save up three months of your salary, work for three months, and buy a diamond ring. But remember, you got to buy it from our store. you got to buy it from us. It's got to be a diamond because the diamonds are owned by one family. you got to buy a diamond. It can't be anything. It's got to be a diamond. Three months. They're selling. The people who are telling you these things are the people who are selling you these things. And then we wonder where all of our money went. We wonder where all of our joy went this Christmas. Why spend money on all of these things? I'm just asking you to ask that question. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? There's a couple things that he says there. Bread is something that is deeply useful and satisfaction is something that is deeply meaningful. What if we begin to change the way we think? Because, you know, Brother Eugene mentioned you've got a youth white elephant Christmas party, $15 gift, whatever it is. You know what I do? 
I don't think, I, I, I go and I'm like, dude, what am I going to, it stresses me out to get a $15 gift. It's got to be unisex. It's got to be something that boys and girls can want. And I just, and finally I go to $15 or less section. Great gifts for $15 at the department store. I look through that thing. I was like, yeah, you know what? This is 15 bucks. I'm going to get it. I just get it because I'm supposed to get it. Not because I actually care about anything. It's an obligation to me. I don't want it to be like that. That's why I don't give Christmas gifts to people. If you didn't get one from me, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I need to do this for myself. I don't want to sell my soul in order to make somebody happy with the third favorite gift that they get, never to be remembered again. Our house church was talking about this last week. We are talking about this house church gift exchange we had where it got all catty and stuff, and we started stealing each other's gifts and, and started, like, getting all feisty about it uh, in a Christian way, of course. I would like to steal your thing. <laughs> That's how we did it. Oh, my gosh, you got it, you got it. And at the end of the time, I still, for the life of me, even Sunday, uh, after I've been thinking about it since Tuesday, I can't think about the gift that I jacked from somebody else. What was it that was so important that I need to hurt somebody's feelings in order to get it? I don't even remember. Why do we spend all of our time, money, energy doing these things and not being able to worship God? Because somebody told us, hey, you got to do it because love equals money. What if there was a better way to do it? What if there was a better way to do it? Some of the most loving gifts that you and I have gotten, you know this, are gifts that didn't cost anything. My, my mom serves at, she's, she's gifted in, in, in certain different areas where it comes to like handiwork and craftsmanship. So whenever a new pastor comes to her home church, and it's probably like once every year, they've got like 30 people on staff, she'll ask them their favorite Bible verse and she'll handwrite in, in Korean calligraphy their favorite Bible verse and she'll give it to them on their birthday, she'll cook them a meal and these pastors say, this is the best gift I've gotten. Like time and time again, they say that. And they say, can you do this for other people? And she say, you know what, um, I'll do it if I have the time, but more I want to do this as a way of honoring the people who serve and feed the word of God to our people. And not only are they blessed, but she's blessed by it. Doesn't stress her out, gives her joy as she thinks about what she's giving. Maybe there's a better way, guys, of doing Christmas than the way that Kay Jewelers tells us or that Lexus tells us or like GMC Acadia says, hey, buy a gift, a truck for her and buy a truck for yourself. You seen that commercial? It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It's crazy. It's selfish. It's, in, it's just unwise. He buys this uh, black one for, for himself and this red one for her, for her, and she says, I like the black one. He's like, that was actually for me. She's like, no, I really love this one. He's like, okay, Merry Christmas. It's ridiculous. But we buy the bait, don't we? Maybe not a car, but with something else. Trying to buy things that money can't buy, and that's the last thing that we see. The things that matter most are the things that don't come with a price tag. The one commercial that I've seen that really got this right time and time again was MasterCard in that timeless, priceless ad that says, you know, go to a ball game with your kid, buy a hot dog, eight bucks, buy a drink, 15 bucks, buy a t-shirt, 30 bucks. Time with your loved ones, priceless. Some things in life money can buy or money can't buy for everything else, there's MasterCard, right? I'm not trying to pitch this product here, but basically trying to tell us that, yeah, you, you can buy things, but understand this, that the best things in life don't come with a price tag. 
What you spend on somebody is no indication of the worth of the value of that person or of that product. I don't know if you heard this recently, but a couple weeks ago, there was a mall, I forget where it was, this upscale mall where there was this Armani store. Armani, like wonderful clothier, but for whatever reason, they went out of business and that store shut down. And so in its place, moved in a new clothing store called Palessi, fine Italian shoes, Palessi. And as they put out their products, they then invited all of these Instagram influencers, whatever that means. Every article I read says Instagram influencers. I don't know what that means, but so I just say it as it is. Instagram influencers came and they tried on these shoes priced from $200 to $600. And as they interviewed them during the grand opening of Palessi, they said, this is so elegant and sophisticated. It is clear that these were made with the finest quality material. Would you spend $200 on them? Absolutely, in a heartbeat. Would you model these on Instagram for $600? Would you pay $600 and wear Absolutely. And they would check out, buy this stuff. And I forget exactly how much money they said was spent there, thousands and thousands of dollars. And at the end of it all, they said, Palessi is actually pay less shoes. Palessi. And the look on these Instagram influencers' face as they got royally superfly punked. Are you serious? <laughs> are you kidding me? I spent $600 on payless shoes that are sold between $20 and $40? Wow. Palessi was nice and said, you can, we'll give you your money back. You can take your products and go on your merry way. But they were being informed of something very important that we need to learn this Christmas season, that what you spend on something is no indication of the value or the quality of what you're giving to somebody. And a lot of times we try to put a price tag on somebody's worth. Maybe the best gifts aren't the ones that come with a price tag. When Olivia and I were, uh, were dating, we are long distance, she was in Virginia. I was here in Florida. And she had come down for Thanksgiving one year, and she had uh, stayed at a girl named Tammy's apartment, right? Tammy's apartment. So uh, I'd wake up in the morning, would pick her up, go eat lunch, and then she would just kind of follow me around on the things that I had to do that day. I was, I was serving here as a pastor. She would just follow me around. We did that day after day after day for as long as she was here. She went back up to Virginia. We're talking about Christmas and talking about what you want. And one day as we were talking, I should have asked Olive if I could use this story. I didn't, I didn't tell her about this, but Olive was crying, right? She was crying. The last time she cried on the phone, I asked her why she was crying. She said, because I'm cutting onions. And so I, I thought that she was messing with me again. So I said, why are you crying? And she said, uh, after a moment's, of quiet on the other side of the phone. She said, I wish that you could come to Tammy's apartment and pick me up so that we could go eat lunch again. And I think to her, that would have been the best Christmas gift. Not something that you could put a price tag on because it was never really about a present. It's about being present. Maybe that's the best gift that you can give your loved ones this year. Isn't that what's been said? Because that's what love says. 
Love says, I don't need all of that stuff. I don't want sunbursts and marble halls. I just want you. I don't need all of that other stuff. I just want you. I just want to be with you because that's what love says. Just don't give me all of that other stuff. I don't need any of that stuff that's just going to go in the Goodwill closet or in the next garage. I just want you. Kind of reminds me of that little boy whose dad was so busy working during that Christmas season. Dad asked him, son, what do you want for Christmas? He's like, I don't know, Dad, I don't know. I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. And Dad said, no, nah, stop messing around. I know we're going to be with you, but I want to buy you something. I want to buy you something. Kept asking, kept asking. He said, think about it. Think about it, son. Think about it. And so the son thought about it while his dad went on his crazy, busy, frantic pace, globetrotting, doing all these things, buying uh, or, 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 or doing all the things and meetings that he does for work. And one day before Christmas, the little boy said, Dad, how much money do you make in one hour? And the dad laughed at him, and he said, a lot. I can buy you whatever you want. He's like, but how much in one hour? Can you just tell me in one hour? Dad made hundreds of thousands. So his dad said, probably $500, $300 an hour. The boy looked sad, and his dad said, what's wrong, son? Don't you know with that much money, I can buy you whatever you want? And the son pulled out his wallet. He said, Daddy, I don't have $300 I have $10. I'm wondering if $10 can buy one hour of your time. Maybe the greatest gifts don't have price tags on them after all. Maybe it's not about all the gifts and all the presents. Maybe it's about your presence with somebody. That's what your aging mom, aging dad needs above anything else. That's what your kids need above anything else. That's what your cousins need. That's what your friend, that's what your, your, your friend who's down in the dumps needs more than anything else because that's what love does. That's what love says. It says, I will be with you. And so in the greatest act of love that the world has ever known, our God said, hey, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. That's why for all time my name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And so at Christmas he gave the gift of his presence. What price tag could be given to that? But he came so that he could be with us, God with us. And to ensure that it wasn't just for a Brit bit moment, but for all eternity. He said, I will send my son to be with you for 33 years in order that in dying on the cross, he would be born in a manger so that he could be crucified on a cross so that forever and ever and ever you could be with him in a mansion forever. That's what Christmas is about. It's never about $900, $800, buying this, buying that, buying all of these things. Maybe, maybe that's what it means for you to worship fully this Christmas. For you to just tell your friends, and maybe it's a good thing that your friends are here, to say, guys, if you don't get me a gift, I won't be mad if you don't get me a gift. But why don't we worship together this Christmas and really make it about Jesus? If spending less could make it more about Jesus, would you do that? What price is there says that you don't wake up the day after Christmas with an empty, aching longing in your heart? Could there be a price for that? Maybe God's greatest gift of his presence, his 
greater than any present he can give. And maybe your gift of your presence could be the greatest gift that you give to someone else this Christmas. Let's pray together. You know, people say it takes two to tango, takes two to make a thing go right, takes two to make a sermon, it's the preacher and takes the people. You know, I, I so wish that I could just reach into your mind and reach into your heart and, and just pull it open and pour these words into your heart so that Christmas would be different for me and different for you this year. But I can't do that but I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. That's why I stand up here to preach every time I walk up here as I'm walking up. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Guys, I want this so much for us that we wouldn't be so stressed and so worried and so pressured and so obligated, but that out of love we could give. Maybe it's still going to be a gift off a shelf. That's fine. But let it be meaningful. Let it be useful. Not obligatory. Not, not thought through. But thinking about it. So that someone might be blessed. That someone's life might be changed for the better. If spending less means worshiping more, would you do that? Is it worth it? Can you allow the Spirit of God to wrestle with your heart this afternoon? These next few moments, just ask the Lord, God, what are you calling me to do this Christmas differently so that I could wake up Christmas morning with my heart set on fire for worship so that I could say, here I am to worship, even if I have no gifts under the tree, to worship Jesus. That's what it's all about. And I'm so deeply satisfied in you. Let's pray for a few moments like that, can we? Just a minute or two. It's responding to God's word. And then I'll pray on our behalf and we'll continue to worship the Lord. Let's pray together for a moment. Father in heaven, we thank you. What did it take for us to buy salvation? What would it, what did it cost for us to walk through the heavenly aisles? What price was on the life of Jesus? 1899, 35.99, 99.99. What price could be put on the life? of the Son of God so that we could be set free from the tyranny of consumerism this Christmas, from the tyranny of commercialization. Lord, shake us free. From the hooks that have been placed in our hearts 
that tell us this is what Christmas is about. You can be satisfied. Your friends and family can be satisfied if you give them this. Lord, set us free that we might be free to love, free to live, free to give freely, not out of obligation, not out of debt, but freely. And if the end result is that we spend nothing this Christmas, so be it. If the end result is we spend the same amount this Christmas, so be it. But Lord, at least teach us to ask what would honor you this Christmas. How can I honor you rightly? And then would you give us the strength by the power of your spirit to joyfully obey? We thank you so much. We love you because you loved us first with a priceless love. May we honor that with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.